0: Do not make the assumption. Oh, senior pastor has a lot to do, a lot on the plate. I won't. I won't bother senior pastor with this or that or the other thing, and uh, nor will I risk uh, maybe some accountability, or nor will I risk uh, questions. Um, so you stay far apart. That's not a healthy thing.
1: Welcome to the Disciple Making Youth Ministry Podcast where we talk about the calling of youth pastors to equip students for the work of making disciples, moving teens from church attenders to disciple makers. Here are your hosts, Joel Friend and Jeremy Collins. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to the Disciple Making Youth Ministry Podcast. We are excited to be here with my senior pastor, Pastor Paul Becker. So hopefully nothing embarrassing comes out. For on my end, but it might. But today, we're going to be talking about senior pastor, discipleship, and you. And that's the title we've given the podcast today. Did I even say it correctly? You did. did. It was
2: the title that we came up with about 45 seconds ago in the midst of prayer. Um, But yeah, it's a good conversation today talking about okay, senior leadership. How do you line up with the vision? (laughs) How do you understand discipleship in terms of the whole church? And then, Mm -hmm. as a youth pastor, how do you? How do you work within that system? So excited to have... I actually wanted to embarrass you first. Go for it. So I I planted the seed with you earlier, Paul. Mm. Um, Do you have any of your favorite, like, you know, young Jeremy stories or anything that you remember from things that, you know, he's told you about things he broke? I can speak to his uh, living arrangements.
1: (laughs) Oh, no. Mm. I forgot about this.
0: So Jeremy came to the First Presbyterian Church of... Can I say the name? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bakerstown. <laughs> Don't want anybody Googling us for yeah. anything like this. But um, he came right out of college. He was homeless. And uh, through the blessing of a family here in the church, they received him into their home. And um, I think it was understood by everybody that that was going to be temporary. And it worked out to be that way. And then I may not get the order of your addresses correct. But, I barely
1: can. It's fine.
0: But uh, there are two that stand out. One is uh, Jeremy had a long, kind of a long-term house-sitting situation for someone who lived in Chicago but had a house back here. And so he he uh, took care of the, the property. And um, – um, the lady was an artist, and yes, there was a, a there was a painting that of her deceased her deceased husband in the living room, and uh, it was a painting of him and shoes, uh, socks. He
1: socks. was in his socks.
0: socks. Him and socks, and that's all I'm going to say. And then,
1: yes, it's what you're thinking.
2: And then he moved on up. How many socks? He has two tomb. socks.
0: Two <laughs> socks. <laughs> <laughs> Then he had. Then Jeremy moved to
1: a better arrangement.
0: Yeah, he moved up to the east side, and uh, moved on into the third floor. Second floor. Second, second floor. floor. Second floor of a funeral home. <laughs> yes. I'm surprised yes. you didn't know this.
1: I
2: can't. Where remember.
0: where no. where where the laundry was downstairs in the basement. Oh, other activities. Yeah. Other activities took place.
2: Holy crap. And, uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, you know, you, you both know my son, Daniel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, Daniel and Jeremy became good friends. And Daniel was in your wedding. Yeah. And uh, they've worked on other projects together. And so, um, yes, Daniel would come home and tell me stories <laughs> about <laughs> how freaky it was to go see Jeremy at the <laughs> funeral home.
2: So... Um, I think I'll end it right there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. How many dead bodies did you walk by?
1: Uh, I mean, there were viewings all the time. And so, I mean, it's... I, I would walk by the rooms, uh, and I'd see the picture of the person, but not necessarily, like, just dead bodies laying around. They're either in the well, cooler or...
2: Yeah. Wow. Would anybody, get, like, on it? It's like... Did you have to walk through, like, the examination room no, in order to get not. to the yeah. laundry? Okay. Because
1: the, the way the funeral home is set up is actually the basement is also where you'll bring the families in to look at caskets and other things. Yeah, oh, got so gotcha, it I gotcha. So it had Yeah, I gotcha. But there, there was one time, specifically my friend Jim, who was living with me in the funeral home for a little while, he went down to do his laundry, and I snuck down into one of the viewing rooms as oh. he came up. From doing his laundry, yeah, he did not forgive me for that one. Oh my yeah. goodness!
0: And isn't that the place where you introduced into your life a dog?
1: Oh yeah, they let me get a dog on the second floor, and he's still kicking. He's almost sixteen years old now. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, Oof. but that that was actually a good thing. I mean, could walk to church. It was walk great. to church. Um, the the funeral director, the family, outstanding family,
2: um, very yeah.
0: gracious family. Yeah. Um, the kind of the kind of family that knows their work and treats it as a ministry of care that comes from a place of faith, yeah. and so uh, it was was a much better place for Jeremy to live, actually, relative to the other place I mentioned.
1: Well, yeah, you didn't even... Or the group of guys. That's true, yeah. 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 I had a house on Grubbs Road, um, but you also didn't mention how the arrangement ended at the house sitting... And that's where it got crazy. Is I was accused of theft, yeah. of stealing flatware of her forks and oh, knives. Oh, oh,
0: oh, this gets on topic. This be, now becomes on topic. <laughs> yeah, let's bring it back in.
1: She called the church office
0: and wanted him to be in trouble with us mm-hmm. for his theft, mm-hmm. alleged. You're right. Theft. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, let's right. put it correct. Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, so. That was actually the first time I stood up for you, Jeremy. Yeah. So, um, and you have had no time in a penitentiary.
1: Nope, I didn't have to go to jail. I yeah, appreciate it. Or court. It.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I did because, move out. <laughs> but because. <laughs> but um, it, unfounded charges. Yeah. Yeah, unfounded.
2: You know, I was missing. Some bowls uh, from the last two times that Jeremy has burned in my house.
1: <laughs> Put them in my pockets and walked out. Yeah. I yeah. mean, honestly, probably what happened is I just didn't want to do dishes. I probably threw them away. I was a bachelor and lazy.
2: Well, that's one way to deal: do the dishes. <laughs> just throw it out. <laughs> Whatever. What are we
1: talking about again? Yeah, we're talking wow. about discipleship and senior pastor leadership. And so that's why we've got Paul here. Paul give us a, a quick snapshot. Uh, we've heard a little bit about our time together, of course. Mm-hmm. What has what some of your ministry life looked like? Where okay. What different situations have you served sure. in? Sure,
0: uh, Different sized churches, different types of communities, different staffing configurations. Um, 87 ordained as Presbyterian pastor, served a church in Indiana County of Pennsylvania in Homer city seven years. Um, and in that setting, um, I was the youth group leader also, mm-hmm. and we did not have a middle school senior, it was just youth group. And then from there, went to Beaver County, so I left a small town in Pennsylvania to rural uh, Pennsylvania and served seven years as a solo pastor there, and there I was also uh, the youth worker. And there that I, I had more volunteers helping out. You're right. And I was also more I was integral into children's ministry as well, particularly with vacation Bible schools. Um, and so as a young pastor getting started, getting all of my ministry chops with preaching, uh, leading a church board, um, communications, um, Christian education, my emphasis in seminary was in Christian education. So um, it was good training for the first 14 years. And then uh, moved here to Pittsburgh in 2001 with my family, took a three-year contract with a local congregation to do some redevelopment work. And um, uh, that, again, put me in a position of, of generalist. However, I was not involved in youth ministry there. Mm-hmm. There was a mom and her son, her college son, who were uh, leading youth ministry, and that son is now in youth ministry, and it's such a joy to see uh, that develop. And then after that, I went into interim pastoring and uh, served congregations, of uh, multi-staffed, um, none of which had me in anywhere near youth ministry. So long story short, I ended up here... Oh, uh, I did end up uh, eight years at Memorial Park Church in the North Hills of Pittsburgh as the administrative pastor, mm-hmm. and um, so youth ministry staff were several several steps away from me. Yeah, I would only have involvement in administrative things, or like insurance matters. Um, like when they break stuff. Break stuff, or, <laughs> right, yeah. or get injured, or... Yeah. Um, I I did lead there a mission trip to Joplin, Missouri, when Mm -hmm. that class seven tornado went through and wiped out the town. And uh, I did take a bus, a a, a van full of of students and led that trip. So um, when I wasn't doing youth ministry, I was always walking through and Hmm. touching a base with with, uh, the kids. And uh, so that kind of sets up the expectation, or at least for senior pastors, my expectation of senior pastors is that you have some awareness of families, Mm -hmm. um, interact with kids, and if your primary place for that is going to be Sunday morning, in worship, then you need to make time to step towards those kids and engage with them and talk with them. Yeah, that's a good and, reminder. And um, so I, I, I believe visibly that's important to the congregation. Uh, it communicates something to the congregation. And I think, I, I would hope that it communicates something to um, the youth ministry staff mm-hmm. yep. uh, that the senior pastor is just not ignoring an area that he doesn't want to have anything to do with. Right she. So, um, so that's. So now I'm here. Been here five years, and uh, I came back, and Jeremy was still here. So what? What year were you hired? I'm talking about 2006. Six. Yeah. Yeah. Right out of college, um, full of energy, doing youth ministry a certain way,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I come back, and now he's an ordained pastor, involved in youth ministry, and honestly, Jeremy, I could see you being a lifer in this. You have such a value for kids. You have such a, a love for Christ. And um, to have kids know Christ is top on your list, and it's obvious. And uh, my only regret is that my kids weren't involved in your youth ministry. So.
2: well, Duh. I you, think we, we're yeah. done here. Yeah, I <laughs> know. Right. Just, all right, ramp it up, and you know where you can subscribe <laughs> on... Apple and Spotify.
1: <laughs> well, and I appreciate that, and, and I think that I've seen as well in the time that you've been here and come back, we've both changed our philosophies on discipleship, I would even say, yeah, uh, to some degree, when we were both here in 2006, we had a view, and, and that's changed a little. And so I guess, as we're thinking about how this relationship between a senior leader or and volunteers in youth ministry, what are some of the things that you found... Uh, you had to do to make sure you were stepping towards youth ministry? Because I think it can be very easy to oh, just yeah. remain back yes, and let mm-hmm. it happen. And like you said right. earlier, maybe deal with the consequences of youth ministry as opposed to the direction. What are some steps forward that you took? You mentioned a few, but can you think of any others uh, of ways you consciously said, okay, I need to be a part of this?
0: Yeah. Um, because my work history is so varied in context and scope of work, I, I can see 12 years where uh, youth ministry was more tangential to sure. my to my work. Um, but I got to know the youth staff, the yeah. youth ministry staff. And so whether it be in staff meetings or lunches or just the encounters in hallways, um... Um, and popping into a building during a youth ministry meeting. Uh, as I look back on that, to me, it, it seems so minimal, but I would hope that the perception by the youth ministry staff and the kids would be more than how I'm valuing sure. it. Sure. And part of that is because I, I see a deficit in terms of what I would like to have done versus what I was able to do yeah. because of other commitments. Yeah. So, that kind of gets at uh, attention that senior leaders have in um, your ideal versus what is real Mm -hmm. and the gap. Can you really do anything about that? And I would like to think that there's always something you can do to close that gap. Uh, But I know for me, it's, it's a, it's a tension that if I dwell too, too long on it, you know, I get burdened with guilt, you know, and um, and that's not a good thing to throw into a relationship, because uh, guilt can drive you away from the very thing you need to draw closer to. So it's important uh, from from a senior leader standpoint, um, when you have a broad view of the life of the church, to have uh, the youth ministry staff, uh, youth re- leader. Step towards the senior pastor. Mm. Do not make the assumption that all oh, senior pastor has a lot to do, a lot on the plate. I won't. I won't bother senior pastor with this or that or the other thing, and um, nor will I risk uh, maybe some accountability, mm. or nor will I risk uh, questions. Um, so you stay far apart. That's not a healthy thing. Not a healthy thing
2: yeah i sorry I was just I'm processing no, this that's this fine. is this is really good because I think I think sometimes it's like um, you know it's like an eighth grade you know middle school dance like who makes the first move like this is like awkward like sure. is if you're new in ministry and you don't not sure how the system works you know you know do I wait till the senior pastor makes the you know first move do I do I go in knock on their office but you know mm-hmm. but like you said I, I think that other thing's really important to to think through as well is that what if you're in a church that has multiple layers of of organization right yeah. so you have like for the longest time the associate pastor, he was the young adult pastor at the time he's now the associate pastor pastor he was the guy who was overseeing all of student ministry so he's my natural like i go to and have conversations with him but then i would have a relationship with my senior pastor uh, that i'll talk about a little bit later but i think like who do I go to, right? Do I only ever do my direct report? I mean, also, like you said, depends on how your church is run. Yeah. So I think if some churches are run very business oriented, and so you go immediately to your direct report. Some people, they have an org chart, but it, you know, you have relationships on various levels, right? You might Maybe you don't like your boss, but you like your senior pastor, and you want to have that kind of relationship with them. So yeah, it's very interesting. Is like, what do you do when there's layers in between, trying to figure out, okay, who makes the first step here? Um, I know what I did, but I'll get to that a little bit later. Well, yeah. And
1: I think one of the things that is hard to understand until I've been lucky enough to be in one position long enough, I grew up with a, a dad who's a pastor as well, it's a whole different ball game to start to understand what is going through a senior leader's head mm-hmm. throughout a week versus what we might be thinking in youth ministry. And I think sometimes we can easily rationalize away and say, oh, I'm not going to bother, or like you said, I'm not going to take the risk because if I step forward towards that person, either I could get rejected, and that's going to hurt, meaning they don't really want to hear what I have to do, which hopefully mm-hmm. that's not the case. Yeah. Or two, I think your point of saying entering into more accountability.
2: Yeah, I, I that's what I was going to say, yeah. That's
1: huge, because I think that if we're not on the same page in ministry, uh, it can easily be tug-of-war working in two different directions a lot of times. And when, when crisis hits families it impacts the senior leader just as much as it impacts youth ministry. And I think being able to be on the same page and have that accountability, because I know in my time here and in your time at New Community, we've had people in our lives, both in the staffing world who are above us and around us who would hold us accountable to discipleship and discipleship done poorly would be talked about, at least to some degree. Um, And so I think that without that accountability, what do you have? You have a feeling of, well, I can do whatever I need to do.
2: right? And that yeah. might
1: not be a... You, you need some of that tension, I think, but it all comes back to, I think, your point of saying being willing to take that first step because I, I believe and I hear what you're saying in terms of many senior leaders, it's not going to necessarily... They're not going to initiate because of everything else going on. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if they're not the direct report, it could almost look like undermining the direct report if there is yeah, so, I, so here's what, here
2: I'd say, and Paul, I want to throw it back to you, but I think the, the accountability only comes when there's uh, clear expectations, yep. right? So if, if you were working at a church for three years, this has happened. I'm going to say the sentence, this has totally happened. You've been working at a church for three years, and then your senior pastor, who you barely have talked to for you know, you know, the last year and a half, because you have that middle person, and, and they come to you and they say, hey, you should have grown the youth ministry by 80 students by now you should have you, but like nobody told that youth pastor that is what was supposed to happen. Right. So how can they be uh, mm-hmm. how can they be evaluated for expectations that they weren't given? And so I think uh, I think that's the important part of the accountability process. Is the only reason why you could be accountable is if you have an expectations that are clear that come from the senior leadership or, you know, come down from senior leadership on what that person is supposed to do. Right. And
0: I see the direction, the conversation is gone, and it was all around the word accountability, fearing accountability. And I would agree with everything you just said, Joel. Uh, I'll back up and say maybe my word choice of accountability wasn't what I was meaning to say. Um, so, closing the gap, Albert, the youth youth leader taking the initiative to close the gap does, does put that leader in a possible point of risk of just being asked questions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. 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 So yes. That, that's what I meant. Yeah. And, and, oh no, I and didn't mean made, anything by what yeah. you said. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I don't see there any counter thing. Yeah. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah. I just see how my word choice went down a, a path, which is very, very real. And very valid hmm. and uh senior pastors do not if you haven't expressed your uh expectations and you have objective things about those expectations right. then by golly by gum you should state what those objectives factors are mm-hmm. before holding someone accountable for something they did not know about and, um, and the
1: challenge comes in those objectives and even the one you gave like that May not have anything to do with discipleship, and so ooh, then, ooh, ooh. good turn.
2: Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. Trying to. Yeah. Yeah. Keep yeah. We it like moving. we like that word for on this podcast. Yeah, so
1: maybe we should start bleeping it out every time we say it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. More right, yeah,
0: yeah. so words that now.
2: <laughs> oh, there
0: you
1: go. So, I I think that that then, without that conversation between the senior leadership and youth ministry getting on the same page of expectations isn't really possible. Even if it's in a job description, we've all had job descriptions, yeah. they're pieces of paper, they're not necessarily written always in reality, and they might not actually describe the expectations set or unset of the church. And so that step forward, I recognized in my time here at Bakerstown, after that time when you were here as an interim, I had six different people above me in like a three and a half, four month time span people kept coming in and going out we had one senior leader here for two weeks Mm -hmm. a period of time and so you you have to be able to have consistent expectations and this is where us being presbyterian that's more set by the elder board the session than just the senior leader and i think that's also important because places that have it all based on the expectation of one person those expectations can shift pretty quickly Uh, under the feet of youth ministry, and the expectation we're proposing should be more towards discipleship than just Mm numbers-oriented. But that's why those of you listening, these are important conversations to sit down and have, because then having that conversation with senior leadership of what does discipleship look like in the church? Like, if I was interviewing for a position of youth ministry, I'd want to know what the full discipleship picture of the church is. Right because youth ministry has to be a part of that.
0: Right. So so your last thought here, Jeremy, is a good place to start with the type of question or approach to make with a, a senior leader when it's a new relationship, especially, whether whether it's the new senior pastor coming into the system sure. or you are the youth leader, is you are the, the new one coming into the system. Um, And that would be, hey, um, I'm looking forward to work with you. Uh, I'd love to have or start a conversation that may go on forever here. And it would be about discipleship Mm -hmm. here at this church, what discipleship looks like in youth ministry, what does discipleship look like for for the church as a whole, and then, how is it that we could work together so that youth ministry is a microcosm of the larger church mission of making disciples? And I think the phrasing of that question in that way invites a conversation. Invites it frames a partnership around a shared um, mission, hmm. and I think. That would move away from numbers. Uh, I, I think that's a good place to start. Mm. Yeah, and I know as a senior leader, if I were coming new in, new being the new leader coming into a church, and I would have a youth leader approach me in that way, I would pitch myself and say, "Did I die and go to
1: heaven?" Right, right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, because think of the opposite. If you're the senior leader having to initiate that conversation, that now becomes here's what discipleship is. And even though it might still be the same conversation, that tone is very different
2: mm-hmm.
1: as opposed to it seems more like a dictation.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. You know, I just that just came into my head was this, like, uh, if a senior pastor invites you into the room and you're like, hey, here's how things are here. This is how <laughs> things are going to be versus a collaborative where you're thinking about this together. I, I remember, um, so when I when I started at New Community uh, as a volunteer and then i moved in to become the middle school director uh, uh our senior pastor was a different guy at the time but then uh our teaching pastor and the senior pastor switched roles it was like your guy guy was kind of like ah, i don't know if i want to be senior pastor anymore and he looked at the teaching. but pa- you want to do this and he was like yeah sure why not yeah right so then he became senior pastor and i was like oh, okay i guess i have to have this conversation with him i literally read in doug field's you know first two years of youth ministry and it said in there, like, go talk to your, youth pa- your, your senior pastor about his vision for the church. So I walked in, and I said, hey, Mark, um, I said, hey, I've been reading this book on the, my first two-year of youth ministry, and the guy suggested I go talk to the senior pastor about what his vision for the church is, so that we're on the same page. So what's your vision for the church, uh, or what, you know, what role do you want mm-hmm. me to play in that? And he's just, I mean, his, he was like, I think he's a little bit more, he's not like measured out totally. He was just like, I just want you to love people. People need love and they need the gospel. Love them. Like, be. Live and love like Jesus in that regard. Now we've expanded on that—that that yeah. what discipleship means in our church since then. Mm-hmm. But that was—I was not unclear at that point about what this guy wants me to do. So that like really drove a lot of the relational ministry mm-hmm. uh, that we did uh, mm-hmm. and uh, how we moved in that direction and shaped the discipleship of not only you know what we were teaching kids, but like how we were caring for kids and what we were teaching them through our actions. But that was so I walked away from that. I was oh, goodness I was probably 23 at the time when I had that conversation, and you know 12 years ago. And I've never been confused about what my church expected out of me in that. Now, you know, the other thing I wanted to allude to as I was thinking about that earlier is that sometimes you get a couple different types of personalities in certain positions, right? So you could have a type A Uh, senior leader, and then you have like a type B, type C, you know, youth pastor. And sometimes that works because the youth pastor is like, okay, tell me what to do. Like, how how do you, you you know, guide me? I need a little bit of direction. But then sometimes Mm -hmm. you get a type A senior leader and you get a type A youth pastor and they're button heads on how they think things are going to go. Uh, and so you know they have in their mind. I, you know, I remember when I came in and I was a young idealist on like how everything's wrong with the church, <laughs> uh, and uh, and how I'm going to come along to fix it. Uh, but I, you know, I think I had to, the Lord did some work in me to kind of be like, nope, you don't know everything, and I still don't. But it's still like this, like you know, how do I how do I learn from those who have learned mm-hmm. before me? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do I have how do I take these experiences that they've had and and apply them in a way that helps me to better serve uh, the church? So I. I think sometimes unfortunately for some people were it Tends not to work out is when uh, there's an, a difference in expectations. So, like you know, if the you know if they're having a conversation, and the senior pastor's like, no, 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 I want you to, you know, I want you to like have 150 kids in this youth ministry by the time you know in four years. Uh, in the in the youth pastor's like, no, 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 I want to like dig deep into the 25 kids that we have because yeah. we will hope to multiply them later on down the road. Yeah, you want to go Jesus uh, on them. Yeah, right, right, just 12. Right. Just give me 12. Just give, yeah, 12. Yeah, yeah, sorry, that's why so, so I think that that can butt heads. So th- those dynamics are very, very interesting as well.
1: Well, and, and so what you've described, and, and I know that this – we've kind of been uh, on this point for a while, but I think that's because it's important. And as you have these conversations, if you've started them, then they can continue, mm-hmm. and you can start asking questions about the why behind expectations mm-hmm. as opposed to if they're dictated. So if you're having a conversation about numbers even – if you start to then dig deeper and say, well, why is that? Because it's a conversation, not a dictation. You can start to hear the heart of that is, oh, we want more kids to know the gospel. Now you can have a conversation of process. Oh, how man, do we yeah, get that there happens, yeah. as opposed to just the hard and fast number? Or some of you might be listening to this going, well, you don't know my leader. I have to fill out timesheets. I have to do mm-hmm. this, that. And th-. And well, have you sat down and had conversations about why that is? The why sometimes can much Uh, help give clarity give a lot of clarity to understanding Mm -hmm. the process it may not mean you like doing expense reports that way but i know for me in my time finding out the why i had to do things a certain way really helped put my criticalness to bed a little bit Mm -hmm. of like i want to do it my way oh but i know why i have to do it this way yeah can help some in that um and then of course i've been here long enough that i'd I don't know another way. So. Oh, right, yes. <laughs> yeah, that can happen, too.
2: That can happen, too.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess one of the things that I've always been uh, graced by, or I've had the experience of a lot of good leaders uh, at times, even when I first showed up here, the associate that was here mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. was a former youth ministry person, so there was this kind Real of poor. connection. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, connecting with uh, associate pastor who is in youth ministry... But there was still a healthy boundary, and I think that that can—knowing that healthy boundaries have to, I think, exist, that we're not just getting into ministry to find friends. Mm-hmm. It's great when friendships can come out of ministry, but I think for for you listening, uh, if you're looking to be best friends with your superior or your pastor and you're going to gauge that relationship on your friendship, I would say— Rethink that. Pray through that because that isn't necessarily a uh, good expectation to have because that may not be the expectation on the other side. Uh, but it is great when it comes. I, mean, I know that you've shared times that you spent with Adam uh, and friendships that have come. I yeah, know, yeah. I, yeah. I very much value our friendship, Paul. So I, I'm glad when it comes. But I don't. I never went into it with that as the expectation. So be cautious if your expectation of your senior leader is to be friends. Because most often, and maybe this is the question that I'm getting to, what are some of the boundaries that you've had to place in your ministry life as a senior leader that I think some people may not think senior leaders have to do?
0: You mean in general?
1: Just in general. Uh, I got mean, I, think... I gotta give
0: all my secrets now. <laughs> <laughs> no, just a few. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um...
1: And, and the, my purpose for asking this is to help the youth pastor listening, that this is how some senior leaders will approach creating boundaries.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay. See, you're phrasing it in terms of boundaries with kids versus, say, boundaries with parishioners. You know, we each have a uh, constituency to to establish boundaries with, right? And um, I'll be the first to say that as a senior leader— That is a continual struggle, right? Because in our makeup, our fallen makeup, uh, can we talk reform stuff? Sure. Okay. Uh,
2: Yes. Yes, we can. Just
0: make sure. Just okay with...
2: Total depravity. Okay, yes. (laughs) Totally depraved. We've got to bring that up at least once
0: (laughs) because it's predestined to happen. Mm -hmm. Anyway, wrong (laughs) use (laughs) of the term. Sorry. Um, Senior leaders will have struggles with boundaries and may not be the prime examples Mm -hmm. to youth leaders to establish boundaries. And so by me phrasing it that way is uh, to to put on the same level, a senior leader and a youth leader uh, on the same struggle. You both need to work on those. Mm -hmm. I find I am much better at helping guard my staff. I'm much better at guarding boundaries for them than I am myself. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I'm kind of like in um, an eagle's nest, a crow's nest uh, view of the ship. Mm -hmm. And I see everything going on, and um, I can see the dangers that are coming towards a staff person um, through because of a parishioner or, or youth or family. And uh, I can intervene with, with an acknowledgement that I see something coming, and it would be wise to establish a boundary. And, and, and I think the other thing, too, is in, in my, my uh, articulation of my own boundaries, there's an in, intuition that I have, and I, I do have boundaries. And, um, um, and I try to main, maintain a, a healthy sense of, of distance, but not so far apart that I'm not connected to people. So that's the tension of boundaries. Um, and they're always in a state of flux. Maybe that's a healthy thing, uh, to realize that boundaries are always in a state of flux. They need to be examined. Because once once you harden a boundary, yeah, that's, then mm-hmm. then a contingency happens that begs it to be softened, perhaps uh, for a time, and then you don't, and then you get yourself in trouble um, with that person, and you know gossip does its own thing.
1: Well, and, and yeah, it wasn't necessarily where my question was intended, but I think what you've given is really helpful to think about uh, that senior leaders may not be the ones we're learning everything from because flawed, just like everybody else, sin is a part of that. And to not, uh, to put too much into that, but the encouragement of finding boundaries. And I think Joel and I would attest to this. I think we're better at putting boundaries and helping our volunteers find right boundaries sometimes. Okay. So, oh,
0: that's how it works. It's the same downstream. Yeah, it's it's very similar. Okay. So, so this gets to the idea of uh, the, the wonderment about friendship. Maybe, maybe uh, the task here is to work on a definition of friendship, and that friendship has to be rooted in each person's relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. The same for each, well then you have something in common. Mm-hmm. And so now what's on the table is, when it comes to anything, what is your shared mission, What our boundaries to be observed, Um, it's all about being faithful and following and living like Christ, you know, loving people and tell them about Christ. Um, So that's the context for mutual learning, discovery, even uh, confession and repentance when um, a boundary matter goes wrong. Um, so, uh, I don't know if that gets at anything that you were
1: looking for. I think that's really helpful. And, and it also brings up in my mind, the times where, uh, I've had to come and sit down in your office and I'm sure you've had the same Joel had to sit down with your senior leader or your direct report and just say, Hey, I'm at a loss. I don't know how to get out of this situation Mm -hmm. and to be able to have a relationship before that moment, um, whether it be dealing with a family or something happened to youth group or yeah, Hey, uh, how do we go through this? Having had those conversations of shared vision and mission and values ahead of the problems mm-hmm. I think are super helpful because the times we've sat down and talked through things, one, now you're aware of what's happening in the lives of families in our church more than you would have been before. And two, I'm able to learn and, and gain guidance how to approach a situation, as opposed to just going head on. Going, oh, I know what to do in this case, um, and usually I don't.
2: Yeah. So part of the the problem is who your senior pastor is. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's huge. So my senior pastor, uh, he's uh, I, w- I went through several tough seasons. Yeah. And he was the guy I went to almost one hundred percent of the time because here's what I knew about him from my past experiences: but he actually cared about me. Mm-hmm. So everything that we had established all the way up to that point, like not like he's coming over my house to watch a sure. Steelers game together. It's not like, you know, we, we, we hung out in some capacities from time to time, but it was never like, hey, you know, come on out, you know, it never that, right? Yeah. So he, that that was not the that was a boundary that he had, mm-hmm. you know, with with he and I and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. Mm-hmm. Even like, you know, Adam and I, who's my boss and he'll eventually be the senior pastor, he's also like one of my best friends. So even him in that role in that position we like it's not like we're like, hey buddy, come on over every single week. Like our lot yeah. like our wives are gonna get yeah. to No, we 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 kind of have he's like, you know, he's about six, seven years older than me, so there's a difference of contexts and things mm-hmm. of that nature. Mm-hmm. So we know what our friendship is in our context, but we're not always said, so like, oh, we have to be together outside all the time. But with, you know, Mark, I knew that when I was going through stuff, and I was, like, I remember one time I, like, royally screwed up with, uh, you know, a kid that wasn't supposed to receive communion, and, but my decisions, I thought I was clear about something, but it wasn't clear to my leaders, and then I had a parent email me, so, like, I was surprised to find that my son had taken for communion for the first time today, and it was, like, we were hoping this was gonna be a special occasion, and I was, like, so distraught over this, because it mm-hmm. was a big moment, And I called Mark, and he was just like, Joel, you're good. Like, these things happen. You're still great. And I was in tears with him Mm -hmm. uh, on the phone, but I knew he was my first call because as a senior leader, I knew that he cared about me. Mm -hmm. And I think, unfortunately, not every youth pastor is going to have a a senior pastor that they can turn to in that regard. And maybe if you're a senior pastor listening to this, Make sure your team knows that you actually care about them, not just about what they can do for your church.
0: In a conflict situation, I'm going to give my staff the benefit of the doubt sure. first and come with a posture of watching their back. And so that becomes a boundary that is set with parishioners, that when there is the tactic of triangulation uh, with the senior pastor against the youth leader, uh, I I make it clear that I'm not buying into that. I need to hear more, mm-hmm. and if necessary, we're going to go in the room together, all three, mm-hmm. and um, uh, or I'll say, well, I'm going to talk to youth leader, and um, I that that's a boundary yeah. with with. In this case, in this context, parents and, and, and parishioners. So I'm glad you had that experience, Joel.
2: Yes. Yeah. Me too. Yeah.
0: It, it's formative, mm-hmm. actually. It allows formation to happen as opposed to hiding, hmm.
2: guilt, shame. Um, so. Yeah. And, and the other thing about it, too, is, and this is also, can, this can be missed, is that. I because someone was like that towards me, it makes it easier for me to be like that towards those who I, I'm now moving into a, a position of, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to be overseeing a team, like, and they're going to mess up, and yeah. they are. And but how, how they know that I care about them, like, I, I want to communicate those things, right. And so, to, like, let them know that, like, I got their back, mm-hmm. like, I'm there for them, and yeah. uh, and and I will stand up for them. And because that's been done for me, mm-hmm. so I think that's a good.
1: So I think to consider. And, and that's the challenge with sometimes in for senior leaders, there's not many people that sometimes they feel have their back. And yeah. I, it can be, I mean, it can be hard to sit in that that captain's chair and you hear all the criticism, you mm-hmm. feel all of the the weight of steering that ship. And so I think for youth pastors to also recognize, that having your senior leaders back is really important because there's going to mm-hmm. be times mm-hmm. that you will have to choose, do I have their back or not? Um, and, and showing that and being there, even when you may not fully agree all the time, I think it's really important to show that. And um, it'll play out. It's You don't do it to get it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you have their back so that they have yours. Mm-hmm. This isn't a quid pro quo, but instead this is um, – you need to live that way in ministry. And if you're on the same vision and mission, you have that shared common goal, as you've already said.
0: Yeah. And it all points to one person, that's Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to honor Him and to fulfill His great commission uh, is the is the common union, the mm-hmm. communion of working in ministry together as colleagues um, under Christ's headship, and so uh, that is the kind of walk that uh, a a senior pastor and a youth leader need to identify and work on together. And uh, so when that happens, everyone is blessed, but ultimately the name of Jesus is blessed. And uh, the wider that we can demonstrate that to people, teach it, and then coach it, uh, prisoners watching each other's backs. I mean, that'd be the ultimate vision, you know, seeing seeing uh, all members of a church, all members of a youth group, uh, and, and a youth group is probably going to be, oh gosh, the diversity among students, like I... I don't envy your 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 ministry context because mm-hmm. um, uh, it's very diverse, and um, you see the interplay between students. You have parents. Um, I'm very empathetic uh, for for youth leaders. Um, you have a lot to swim in, and it's not always, uh, you know, these super spiritual, you know, retreat. That you may have thought right. your vocation would have been right. at day one, <laughs> but life happens. Sure. Total depravity happens. Amen. Yeah. So. Amen. Uh, but grace, grace, grace abounds, yes. and grace is uh, powerful to transform. And uh, to discover grace together in a working relationship is is awesome. It's just awesome. Right, so, second. so you said the word failure, Joel. Mm-hmm. So, um, my my. My view now at 59 is, one, first of all, expect failure. There will be failures. Yep. Uh, that's normative. And the other thing is, when it comes to uh, trying new things, um, somehow I think if, if you're not failing in something, you're not you're really not trying. Mm-hmm. So I, I would like to see a youth leader risk some new endeavors, um, new way of relating to, to kids to improve ministry and fail. Then just keep, find a groove and stay in it mm-hmm. and keep everybody happy. Like that's ultimate failure that's not tolerated. Mm-hmm. So, a um, little note on failure. Yeah, that's
2: good. That's good to know, Paul.
1: Well, we've, we've heard some good practical things, talking about taking that first step towards your leader, starting those conversations, asking good questions. Uh, any other practical thoughts? We've talked about boundaries. We've talked about failure. Uh, any other thoughts practically as we talk about how to integrate this relationship into the discipleship of the church and of youth ministry? Any more thoughts? I, you said you might have had some before. You might have already talked well, through them all.
2: Well, I mean, I mean, it was. I think you, you did talk through them all. One was getting on the same page as your senior pastor. You talked yeah. about that, Paul. I thought that was great. Uh, and then, you know, being clear on the expectations. Yeah. I think those are two really great starting Geek. place places if you're in youth ministry to know what you're being expected of and um, to know that your senior pastor cares for you, uh, but also to be on the same page. Sure. If you have those, I think you're doing great.
1: Well, and, and the, the next one I would take off that is, you've already said this, but I'm going to reiterate it. The way uh, that you, youth leader, work with your volunteers is just as a challenging relationship as you working with your senior leader or the person above you. Mm-hmm. And so know that um, these fears and concerns that you have relating to your senior leader, I'm sure your volunteers have relating thing. to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can bottle some of that up and use that in positive ways as you work with your volunteers as well.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Awesome sauce. Yeah.
1: Well, Paul, thank you so much for being here. Sure. Thank you for uh, reminding me of my crazy home situations (laughs) that have kind of uh, evaporated from memory, but it's good to hear those stories again. Uh, I'm excited for some of our future conversations. Uh, and it's a blessing to be here to talk about ministry. I hope that this has blessed you, and if this is something you think you should share with your senior leader just to hear a different perspective, please feel free to do that. You can blame us if he doesn't like it or she doesn't like it. That's fine. But again, thank you for sticking through all the way to the end. We appreciate you. We love you. We know that ministry is hard, and we hope and pray that you stay the course in discipling students. Thanks so much, and we'll catch you on the next one. See you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Disciple Making Youth Ministry Podcast. We sure do hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe wherever it is you consume your podcast. We hope you have been encouraged by what you have heard and you're ready to jump into the hard work of disciple making. Catch you on the next one.